There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. In a sudden flash, it all comes clear. It's a eureka moment, an epiphany. Hi, I'm Marcus Smith, host of the Constant Wonder podcast. The world offers marvel, meaning, and mystery around every single corner. In nature, art, science, culture, history, we talk everything from bees and beetles to obelisks and asteroids. Experience the thrill of transformative encounter. We'll bring more wonder to your day. Listen to Constant Wonder wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to another episode of History Hack. Alex, who have we got on today? Oh, I'm really excited because we're finally getting our act together with U.S. history. Um this week and uh, we have so we have Mary from Ontario and we have Nick and Jeremy in Rockford Illinois um, and they're here to talk about Illinois's most famous son uh, together they form the host of the Rail Splitters podcast which is all about Abraham Lincoln guys where does the name come from I'll let Jeremy field that one well, because yeah, he's yeah. the founder of our <laughs> podcast. Uh, yeah, Nick and I uh, kind of started it, and then Mary came along not too long after. But uh, the Rail Splitter is actually Abraham Lincoln's nickname. Um, so in the um, presidential campaign in 1860, they were trying to portray him as kind of this frontiersman, um, kind of you know, man of the people type persona, and they built this. Um, idea that he split rails for the railway um as which he did maybe a little bit of and he certainly was that he was a frontier um rugged kind of person in, in many ways but uh, they called him the rail splitter to send this message that he was uh he was not afraid of a little bit of labor getting his hands dirty and taking an axe and splitting up some trees into some, some railway i don't know what are those trestles ties whatever but the wood part Oh, awesome. Okay, so now that makes sense. How is lockdown, guys? It's, uh, I'm getting a lot of reading done because I unfortunately, uh, my job at the library I work at is such that I can't work from home. So I'm doing a lot of reading and uh, research about Abraham Lincoln and the Civil War right now, which is keeping me sane. We've got to find something to keep us busy. Uh, we've never been so busy since we started this podcast. Um, <laughs> it was it was a bit of fun, and it's now taken over our lives. But guys, how is it in Illinois? It's going all right. I'm a teacher, so I've just been making videos of myself doing stupid things for kids. What is and the most then... stupid thing you've done so far? Because people oh, over God. here, we've had oh. someone make a made a <laughs> tank out of cardboard boxes for their cat. That was online the other day. Uh I haven't gone that route yet, but usually it's just me making an ass out of myself. So they'll come back to they'll come back to haunt me in ten years from now. I'm sure your a wrestling workout video was great, Nick. <laughs> Nick did a wrestling like wrestling workout thing on Instagram, which is pretty pretty highly entertaining. Actually. Oh, we're gonna have to post a link on our Instagram so people can join in with it. And what about Jeremy? How is it? It's good. Uh, I work in a school also, um, so it's kind of been weirdly busy. Um, I work out of the home three days a week, and I go in two days a week. So I'm just helping students get uh, the materials they need and 
helping teachers do the same. So it's been surreal for sure. Um, yeah, we're getting a little stir crazy. I've got two kids who are doing well, uh, but still, it's 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 a lot to handle. Is totally uh, new to all of us, isn't it? Um, so, guys, most of our listeners are in the UK. Uh, we get listeners from over 60 countries, but most of them are in the UK, and uh, probably 10% of them are American. So we need you guys to educate us on Abraham Lincoln. So what you're going to do for us, um, so I, I saw the Daniel Day-Lewis film, um, I probably remember the Vampire Hunter film better because uh, <laughs> I'm a massive child, uh, but you're going to do a countdown for us. You're going to tell us 10 things that we should love about Abraham Lincoln, aren't you? Yes, we are. Oh, I'm really looking forward to this because there's a, I think there's a really nice mixture of uh, big events, um, more general stuff, um, and him as a person as well. So I'm looking forward to hearing about all of these. Um, start us off. What comes in at number 10? Uh, Lincoln's humor. He was um, a very humorous guy. He often would put you know, humor into situations and just some of his jokes. He was a known storyteller, known storyteller and... Um, the one thing about Abraham Lincoln, this ties into his human or humor, is he also suffered um, from depression, and he used um, his humor as a coping mechanism, which is something I can really relate to having depression myself. And just there's some comfort in reading about, you know, some of his humorous stories and and all that, and just that he was a really it just makes him a down to earth human and very likable and it's just it's like i said it's such a comfort to know that about him that he was a he was a really funny guy and he wasn't afraid to make fun of himself either and um that's kind of nice because um i think i always saw him as like the ultimate serious person and he deals with obviously some really serious shit um, yeah. in the terms he of, never um, seems to smile in anything that i've ever watched so i totally agree with you on that <laughs> yeah i like i like that he was funny yeah no he's a very funny guy um, I like number nine, though. What is number nine? Um, I'm going to get Nick to help me with this one, too. But this one is Lincoln being in the Wrestling Hall of Fame. So Lincoln, um, you know, one of the things that he did is he was um, he would wrestle. And the most famous story about it is when he um, got to New Salem, which was one of the places he, he lived before he lived in Springfield. He had to wrestle with what was called the Clary's Grove Boys. And one of them was Jack Armstrong. And uh, he wrestled them, I think it was like there was one major time, but it was one of like kind of the sport, the quote unquote sports that, that he was into. Um, Nick, can you add anything about uh, Lincoln's being in the Wrestling Hall of Fame? Can I ask also as well, Nick, is this where you drew the inspiration for your workout video? And are you dressed as Abraham Lincoln? Because you can't see Nick at home, but Nick has the beard for it. <laughs> Uh, no, it did not uh, influence that video. Um, and I did not or have never dressed as Lincoln up to this point. Um, but no, yeah, Lincoln was, he was a badass. Uh, he was, his strength is very famous. So there's supposedly a story where he was able to hold like a axe, one of those old school axes, which are quite heavy straight out without bending his arm. So there's a lot of different stories about his, you know, strength and just how strong he was, despite being quite skinny and tall. Yeah, um, that's one so, thing I sort of associate with him is he's very—he's like a beanpole, isn't he? He was yeah. actually—he was actually yeah. the one thing. Oh, sorry, Nick. Go, Go ahead. ahead. Um, actually, this is the story. Like after the assassination, when they were doing, um, like they did like an autopsy on him, um, and. 
they just like you know when they saw him like without shirt on he was completely muscular apparently like it looked like he worked out on a regular basis and all that but that was just because of his life of you know not just being like you know like jeremy told the story of the rail splitter but you know he did a lot of laborious tasks in his early life and because of that he was very very strong very very fit and yes very slim but like in i think just very healthy too that's why we almost named the podcast babraham lincoln (laughs) oh that would have been so cool i like that can I can I ask a question about him? Go on. How tall was Abraham Lincoln? Six foot four. That's big so, for those days, right? Very much so. Yeah, still the tallest president we've had. Uh, but yeah, six foot four. So Nick, how do you go from uh, being wiry and fit and that to the Wrestling Hall of Fame? Uh, just by being a legend. Um, and a legend that he was by whooping up on some uh, boys down in the middle of Springfield. Um, And then he just had the reputation they put him in, probably to gain some recognition for their Hall of Fame. Uh, Uh, When did he go in? I have no idea. That's a great Ah. question. (laughs) But I do know he does share this in common with Donald Trump, unfortunately, uh, because Trump has been elected into the WWE Hall of Fame. But that Hall of Fame has no actual – uh, building, so is it really a Hall of Fame then? I Not really, because I'm pretty what... sure just be him in Lycra, wouldn't it? As well, which yeah. none of us want to see. No. True. <laughs> <laughs> so, what about number eight, guys? Okay, uh, I'll take number eight. Um, one thing that uh, I would I admire, uh, I much admire about Abraham Lincoln is he really was a self-made person. Um, and if you you know, part of the cliche, but. Um, he really did come from next to nothing um, as far as where he was born and what his lot in life was at birth. He was probably the least, you know, his situation made him the least likely um, person to become president aside from people who probably could never have meaning enslaved people and, and women of the time um, because he was really um, about as poor as, as a, a white person can be in um, the frontier of the United States at the time. Um, so him kind of um, becoming obviously president of the United States, but also um, all of the other things we talk about, how intelligent he was, he was self-educated for the most part. Um, you know, his political genius was largely his own, like his own invention, his own ideas. Um, so really not only just kind of coming up from, from, coming out of poverty into this situation, but also um, how he really created his persona um, with no template. Uh, you know, there wasn't like a, you know, he wasn't born into anything either. So um, uh, his, he's like, I think third or fourth generation, uh, but his family emigrated from England, actually. Um, uh, Lincoln, I'm sure you probably know where Lincoln City is. <laughs> um, but that's, that's probably most, most scholars believe that's where his ancestors came from. So little little tidbit in there for you too excellent so we can claim him is what you're saying sure yeah by all means (laughs) (laughs) Uh, lincoln has an amazing cathedral that's what it's known for um and a a feisty little football team as well off the imps yeah we uh uh, i got my oh awesome yeah Yeah. that that imp is uh really famous at the cathedral i think it's like a little goggle thingy but actually queen mary has a photo of that in her uh photo albums as well so Literally everyone is obsessed with that imp. 
All is right. it shameful that I've never been to Lincoln? Like, not once? No, because like, you've not I've really ever left East London other than to go to Poland. So. Dude, no. <laughs> no, <laughs> south of England I've done. Anything north of Watford, I really don't care. So. Oh, my God. She's just alienated, like, nine-tenths of our listeners. Be quiet, Alina. Right, let's, <laughs> let's go. Uh, right, do you know what? When we get to... I really, You love a self-made man. Everyone loves a self-made man. And that's something he absolutely doesn't have in common uh, with Donald Trump. I don't think. Um, but let's go to number seven, because number seven is the one that I automatically associate with Abraham Lincoln. I think, Mary, you're going to talk to us about this. Yeah. So the emancipation. So um, basically the freeing of the slaves, because as we know, the um, the Civil War was fought over slavery. And Lincoln's thoughts on this changed and evolved over time. And we've talked about it quite a few times in the podcast. It was really incredible to see his 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 evolution. I mean, he he always knew in his mind that that slavery was wrong, but it was just in in how to deal with it, um, you know. And he he did have an idea for colonization, which is not one of you know. It's not something that like I agree with. None of us on the podcast agree with him thinking that way. But so um, that would would that have been to form an entirely new colony and put all the slaves yeah. there. Yeah, okay. put the, basically free them and then put them there, which was very, you know, to us today, it's very racist and, and all that. But but he changed his way of thinking and, and he evolved. And in, um, in 1862, he announced the emancipation um, on September 22nd. So effective January 1st, 1863, all the states that were in rebellion, their slaves were free. Now that didn't really pan out for them completely because the states that were in rebellion felt you know like okay we don't really have to listen to this and then there was also the passing of the 13th amendment in um passed by congress on january 31st 1865 and unfortunately lincoln did not get to see it ratified on december the 6th 1865 but that abolished slavery throughout the whole united states and you know because of that just to quote his gettysburg address you know everybody in america had a new birth of freedom because of him including the african-americans so that's i think one of the most probably one of the um, more important things that he has left behind part of his legacy can you say that he more than anyone is the individual responsible for abolishing slavery then in america yeah i i think so he would i mean there was always the abolitionist movement in the U.S., but um, the, you know, just him getting the ball rolling, getting people behind this idea because it was not widely accepted, um, took a lot to get it accepted. But yes, definitely Abraham Lincoln was the main person behind it. I'm going to put a really dark, dampening thought in on this because the second you told me or told us about the whole idea that Abraham Lincoln was going to open up a whole new colony made me think down into my research and I can just hear Alec going, no, you're going to bring this up now, aren't you? So basically it sounds exactly like what Germany wanted to do with the Jews and just stick them in Madagascar, like literally open up a whole new colony for the Jews and just mm-hmm. like, there you go. This is, this is your own place. Thank you very much. Goodbye. Yeah, well, I think, and I think that's the, the questions or the, the, those two topics are kind of related. Um, the colonization whatever you want you know, what he said about colonization versus um, did he do, you know, was he responsible for emancipation or did he do more than any one person? And one thing that I always bring up is, um, you know, and we'll talk about it in a little bit, but um, he was a politician, right? So 
what he ended up accomplishing was abolition of slavery. How he got there, um, obviously, he had he had to navigate a very um, delicate political situation, one that actually ended up in war. I often compare it to Barack Obama with same-sex marriage. I don't believe for a millisecond that Barack Obama, at any point in his adult life, was ever against same-sex marriage, right? The right, the right mm-hmm. to marry for same-sex couples, ever. There's like I can't, I can't even believe that at all. Yet he, in 2008, his official campaign stance didn't endorse that, right? So, like, say what you will about whether that's right or wrong. You know, essentially running at something contrary to your beliefs. But I think he knew in order to win the election in 2008. He couldn't come out and say, this is something that I believe in, right? But he ended up accomplishing it by the end of his presidency. I think Abraham Lincoln's similar in that regard, where, where if he had run, and many people did run for the Republican nomination, saying that we need to abolish slavery, he knew that he would then be considered an abolitionist, considered a righteous person, and also someone who ran for the presidency and did not win. Um, so... The political genius, I think, of Lincoln was this, you know, incremental change and seeing what the country not was ready for, but really pushing them in that direction. Um, so I don't think he ever really seriously considered colonizing anyone. Um, but, you know, kind of that was that was part of his political long game, I think, of abolition. So this is whether it's right or wrong. You know, he's he wasn't a human rights activist. He was a politician. But this is the thing, isn't it? It's like there's that delicate balance between you can't make any of the changes if you're not in power. And if you come right out at the beginning, say, hey, I'm going to completely destroy this entire economy of slaveholding. um, You're right. He would have never have been in power. So I think that's a really interesting point. Yeah. So and that's not to say that all of his racism and whatever else throughout his life is excused because uh, you know he did evolve and i do think he had some pretty hateful thoughts as as many of us have in our abolitionist humans um but i do think that that i i prefer to judge him as as a politician not as a you know if he if he claimed to be a human rights activist i would say he was very poor um but he was the most effective politician at in at in, in you know breaking down those you know the, those barriers um, of enslavement just a bit more about number six. Yeah, I think uh, like most presidents, he definitely had a confidence, but I think he was a little unique uh, where it was kind of humble. And, and kind of what I mean by that is he was willing, first of all, he was willing to put people um, in his cabinet that, you know, had disagreements and continued to have disagreements with him. And he was strong enough and confident enough to listen to them and to have that pushback. Um, because he knew it would be better for his leadership to have a dissenting voice. Um, I think you could also see his humble confidence in his evolution on certain things when it comes to slavery, Um, to be humble enough to realize that maybe your original thoughts isn't correct, and then being willing to evolve that over time, I think is remarkable in our important qualities in a leader. And and I definitely think Lincoln knew that and understood that. Um, and, And a lot of times, too, For example, there has been many times where he was upset with somebody, whether it was a general or somebody, and he wrote this scathing, you know, letter to them. But then he had, you know, uh, kind of the humbleness to not send it, to put it in a desk drawer so it never to be seen, to be the bigger person 
and had the confidence to do that instead of kind of getting the last word in a fight. Um, and I think these are all remarkable qualities and qualities that make for an outstanding leader and, and are part of Lincoln's legacy. I think I like that one. I do, because I think as well, it's when you're a politician, it's perhaps even harder to uh, embody those qualities because um, you've got to be so self-serving. Yeah, I really like that one. Um, Mary, you're going to give us number five. You've already alluded to it, but it's another defining moment, isn't it? Yep, it's um, it's his Gettysburg Address, um, which he gave in November of 1863 to dedicate the cemetery that they opened there, which was um, for the soldiers who'd fought in the Battle of Gettysburg on July 1st to 3rd, 1863. And it is kind of the, the, one, the one speech that, you know, most people, you know, if you don't know a lot about Abraham Lincoln, when someone says Gettysburg Address. Yeah, because he's a renowned yeah. orator, isn't he? But this one he, is particularly special to you. It, it is. This is. This and the second inaugural are tied for first for my favorite Lincoln speeches. And um, this, was the first Link, this was the first Lincoln speech I read when I was, I think I was six years old the first time I read it, and it stuck with me. Um, and it was only two, about two and a half minutes long, I think it's 246 words. Hope I'm getting that. I think it's 271. Yeah, anyway, it is. And the person who spoke before him spoke for like two and a half or three hours and nobody really remembers what he said. And then Lincoln got up there and said, just this, you know, for just, you know, like two and a half minutes, said his thing and it's gone down in history. And he said, like, the world will you know, basically the world will not remember what we said here. And then here we are, like, we're still talking about it. It's kind of like, kind of the quintessential Lincoln moment. And I think it's kind of like sort of that gateway into reading his other speeches too, because he was a very prolific orator. He was, had such a way with words. Um, the interesting thing about him though, is he, um, he said of himself that he couldn't just speak on the fly and he didn't like to do that. He liked to have time to compose what he was going to say. Um, so he often, if, if someone said, oh, can you just speak right now? He would, you know, he wasn't as good with the on the fly stuff as he was with, with writing it out, but he chose his words carefully. He, you know, he's basically, you know, it's very poetical how he speaks and his words are still timeless and relevant today. And the one that our tagline for our podcast is with malice toward none. That's how we end every single episode. And that is a line from his second inaugural address. And that is with malice toward nine is how, you know, you know, we need that so much more in the world. Yeah. Does one of you want to give us the, um, the address? Do you have it? I'm Sandra and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for, but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. 
Um, <laughs> I have part of it memorized. Um, I, I think it's important too that um, the, the, the importance of the Gettysburg Address is 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 that it, we still talk about it today, but it really signified how the war had transitioned from this this fight over union and and whether or not states had the right to leave it to to a war over enslavement. Um, and, and really, it's it's linking linking kind of uh, really really fairly forcefully saying like this is what this is about and he says yeah. it so eloquently and this is in a day where speeches were the entertainment right like people went to see speeches and you know if you if you if you travel and pay your ticket you're, you want a couple hours right um and he does this two and a half minute speech which was unheard of right mm. um in this in this age of oratory um and and now and the and yet this is like the most well-known thing the second inaugural is very similar it's all it was very short i think it's the second shortest um, inauguration speech that we have. Um, so, uh, yeah, saying saying a lot in few words. I think talent. I wish um, all of us had. Um, I can we can read the Gettysburg Address if you want. Let's do it. I just just what you were saying though about oratory and this is the age of it. It really is. I mean, it's the ability to argue. They say argue, but the ability um, to debate, which I think we'll move on to uh, soon. But that is. Uh, a talent that is much coveted at the time, isn't it? So the fact that he did something so out there has condensed this into just over 200 words, but let us have it. Right. This is the first time I'm going to ever recite it out loud <laughs> for somebody, for an audience. Four score and seven years ago, our fathers brought forth on this continent a new nation conceived in liberty and dedicated to the proposition that all men are created equal. Now we are engaged in a great civil war, testing whether that nation or any nation so conceived and so dedicated can long endure. We are met on a great battlefield of that war. We have come to dedicate a portion of that field as a final resting place for those who gave their lives that the nation might live. It is altogether fitting and proper that we should do this. But in a larger sense, we cannot dedicate, we cannot consecrate, we cannot hallow this ground. The brave men living and dead who struggled here have consecrated it far above our poor hour, uh, power to add or detract. The world will little note nor long remember what we say here, but it can never forget what they did here. It is for us the living rather to be dedicated here to the unfinished work which they who fought here have thus so far nobly advanced it. It is rather for us to be here dedicated to the great task remaining before us that for these honored dead, we take increased devotion to that cause for which they gave the last full measure of devotion that we here highly resolve that these dead shall not have died in vain, that this nation under God shall have a new birth of freedom and that government of the people by the people for the people shall not perish from the earth. You know what the fact that that's just been read by a Canadian and that the Londoner in the room knew three or four lines of that um, <laughs> and didn't know where they came from, I think is a testament to, to how long-standing and how important that speech was in the grand scheme of history. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it, it's, I think it's a perfect example of Lincoln, you know, because there's not, it's so, you know, ingenious in, 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 in the way that it's written. It's got, you know, a lot of, you know, you could use it as a textbook example of how to how to craft a speech, it's, you know, with the parallelism and, you know, the arguments, all that stuff. Mm. But there's not a word in there that's like anyone would need, a, you know, very few people would need a dictionary for anything, you know. So he has this way to communicate that reaches people 
um, yet it's still very deep and profound, you know, to say like the last full measure of devotion um, as saying that they died. It's just, I mean, it's just so beautiful. The words are just so, so, so wonderful. And a lesson, I think, to uh, politicians that maybe say too much without writing any of it down beforehand um, and waffle on. Yes. <laughs> Very true. Very so. Yes. Sounds like me. I waffle quite a lot. Just get me going and I can't stop. That's what, that's what podcasts are for, right? Yeah. I, mean, yeah. I think that's why we have them. Well, I don't know if anybody wants to hear me waffle. They're here to hear <laughs> other people waffle, not just me. So. But on that note, hit us with number four. All right. Lincoln's uh, work ethic. So I think Lincoln is famous. Well, I think Harrington said it, uh, which was a friend of his from Springfield, that he wasn't necessarily the quickest at learning something, um, but he was still brilliant because he would dive deep into whatever problem it was and not just try to come with a quick answer to try to understand. Um, I, I think this comes from a book we're doing for our book club, like every fiber of it. So he would truly want to grasp everything that he possibly could, get his hands on just about anything that it is, dealing with that topic that he could. And I think he had a way to just focus in on stuff and to just learn it from the inside out. And our last podcast episode, we were just talking about like his first you know, few months in office, he's navigating through this, you know, what to do with this, you know, the states leaving the union. We got this issue with Fort Sumner. Um, does he reinforce it? How does he, you know, keep that in the union? How does he do this without starting the war himself? And at the same time, literally meeting uh, hundreds of office seekers for hours a day, plus starting to learn military strategy, which he did not have much of a background in. I mean, just to do that it is amazing, remarkable. There's all sorts of stories of the hours he put in, um, you know, staying up late at night, going down to, you know, um, the war office to get, you know, telegrams back. So, uh, and Lincoln's just ability to dive deep into something and learn it uh, that he thought was important. Like, I'm sure his dad will tell you. I don't know if his dad would be the first to say he was the hardest worker. Um, but if it was something Lincoln believed in, he busted his ass to learn that inside and out, which is remarkable. It is. Um, we're going to stick with you for number three, and it's something we've touched on already, isn't it, Nick? Yeah, I think Lincoln's ability to construct an argument is masterful. Uh, you know, here in the States, we have a show, The Daily Show. I mean, they basically make a living off of politicians not knowing how to structure an argument. Um, and pointing <laughs> out fallacies. Uh, Monty Python and the Holy Grail, you know, does this to the T. Um, but Lincoln, I mean, in his arguments, there's very few fallacies or logical mistakes. He thought, you know, um, I think this goes back to his work ethic. When he made a decision, he put the time in to understand the decision he was making instead of just rushing to the decision and just coming up with an argument out of the air, which a lot of politicians seem to do now. And then, so he was able to struck this complex argument but at the same time, he was able to do it to where the common man, I guess as they say, or the common citizen, average citizen, I don't know if I like that term, but he was able to use language that everybody could grasp. He was great at using analogies, humor, to pinpoint um, the point that he wanted to get across, to highlight the point that he wanted to get across. And that, to me, is what I love about Lincoln more than anything. It's his ability to make this very complex argument in a simplified manner to where everybody understood what he was saying. 
Oh, if they knew how to do that now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm getting the sense that actually we could do with uh, someone with half of Lincoln's brain, all of us in our country as well as yours right now, um, we could do with another Lincoln. But would Lincoln be great in this situation right now? That's the question. Oh, I think he, I think he would be. Yeah, I don't think I don't think he'd be making stuff on the up on the spot and attacking journalists because he didn't know the answer for a start. (laughs) His ability to listen to so many others and to take all that in—I mean, that's basically what you want from a president or prime minister—is to surround himself with good people, to be able to listen, pull out the good points, and make a good decision overall. I mean, Lincoln was the master at that. This is the thing, isn't it? That's you can't, as president, be an expert in everything you have to make expert decisions on. You have to listen to the people around you and you have to feed off of their knowledge and trust their knowledge and not always be snatching the microphone away from them in order to uh, police what they're saying. Exactly. And Lincoln got attacked just as much, maybe, as a current president, you know, as a current president likes to think he's getting attacked. I mean, Lincoln was bashed all across the United States. Um, I mean, in the Springfield, there's a whole exhibit dedicated to the political cartoons attacking Lincoln. And, but he had the humble confidence to not engage in that banter. Yes, it upset him and angered at him times, but he didn't get in that one-on-one banter that our president of the United States loves to do. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think to answer your question, you know, would there, you know, what would Lincoln be today? I mean, I think you can really, and it's not just because I like him, but you can make a lot of comparisons between Barack Obama and Abraham Lincoln as far as, you know, when Barack Obama was born in the 1960s, you know, um, to a, a biracial couple as a black male, you know, his likelihood to become president at that time was probably about what Lincoln's was, born on the frontier into abject poverty. Um, and, and, you know, we talk about the way Lincoln communicates, you know, kind of in that down-to-earth way and he can communicate, you know, very, very academically and, um, you know, kind of more informally, very effectively. I mean, I, I think you see that in Obama. I think you see Obama handling criticism, racism, death threats, you know, all kinds of stuff with poise and with, um, you know, just so much character. So I think that the two of them, as far as like personality wise, style wise, um, I think are, there's a lot of lot of parallels there so i think you know if if i were to say who is the modern day abraham lincoln as far as that you know characteristics and situation um i would say if you look at barack obama i think that's that's very much in in many many ways you know he you know looked at as a moderate coming up in the party kind of an outsider uh, you know a new kind of you know fresh face sort of thing and then once he got in to to the white house really affected some some really significant Excuse me, some significant change. And another Illinois man. Indeed, indeed. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's not a coincidence. Oh, well, my favourite up and coming now uh, is, uh, I think he's, uh, is it South Bend's mayor or former mayor? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd like to see him get somewhere, but that's my own opinion. Um, <laughs> <laughs> let's not get into current politics. Alina, <laughs> what number are we at? I think we're at number two right now. Am I mistaken, number two? I think so. I think we're going to Jeremy as well. Indeed. Uh, So number two um, is kind of, maybe maybe it's two packed in one, but his evolution as a human and also the fact that he was flawed, like we all are. Um, You know, if you look at some of the things that he did and said, you know, in the early days as as a state representative and then in Congress, you know, in the 1840s, 
Um, a lot of very clearly overtly racist stances on a lot of different things. Um, and, and yet his viewpoint evolved over time. And I think that that kind of goes to just, you know, he was a flawed person. And I think that sometimes we deify him in many ways um, in this country and every possible political party and group claims him as their own and, you know, construes what he said into, you know, whoever this is the party of Lincoln, but really taking that away and really stripping it down and looking at who he was as a person. Um, he absolutely without question loved his wife, adored her, um, had a deep, deep affection for her and was also a, a pretty terrible spouse. Um, not supportive of her, you know, her grief and depression, you know, they lost, um, two children, very young, very young. Um, and, you know, of course, they didn't have grief counseling in those days. And um, Lincoln's, Lincoln's solution for his own, and many, you know, many people feel was that he buried himself and immersed himself in his work. And that's where that work ethic kind of comes from, where he would kind of avoid handling that deep and profound grief over losing two of his sons by going to work, leaving his wife essentially on her own in many ways. Um, and I think that he also had flaws as a parent. You know, he was very, you know, his strained relationship at best with his oldest son, Robert. And then, of course, he was doting on his younger sons and kind of let them let them do whatever they wanted, essentially. Um, so looking at his flaws and also what he accomplished, I think it's just and how he evolved over time, I think is something that, that helps us. Because a lot of times I think when we look at, you know, we – Know, aspire to be like it's very difficult to say like I want to be like this person or that person from from history or from even present day but if you look at their flaws and how they deal with dealt with them and how far they came Abraham Lincoln is the best example of someone who really overcame and came to terms with a lot of things that, that he wasn't wasn't great at um, and, and and yet still did did what he did and accomplished what he accomplished so I, I admire that very much um, there's a lot of parallels there, I think, for us with Winston Churchill, who was a booze hound and who was responsible for some <laughs> clangers like Gallipoli um, as well. But then I I just think none of the best politicians are ever unflawed, are they? Right. No, not at all. And I think that, that Lincoln is one where his flaws improved over time. You know, you look at like like you mentioned Churchill, like like Franklin Roosevelt for us did tons of amazing things, but he also in turn... Japanese Americans, you know, and this was not something that he overcame or evolved past or realized was horrible, right? Yeah. Um, whereas I think Lincoln, most, you know, his trajectory is largely, you know, in the in the in the positive, always progressing, um, as opposed to um, others who kind of did good things but also did some bad things, and you kind of have to weigh those together um, in a very uncomfortable way. What do you guys make of that book, Lincoln in the Bardo? I'm guessing you read it. I tried, you know what? I can't read it because I need to get a hard copy because it doesn't work on Kindle because it just looks like your screen is scrambled and you can't figure out what they're trying to do. <laughs> I enjoyed it. It took me, it took me a minute to kind of wrap my head around it. Um, I did the audio book of it, which was really, really, really good. Really well done. Uh, Nick Offerman is in it. Um, he plays the, the guy that died unfortunately and has to walk around that like, I don't know if he didn't have pants on or whatever, but um, it, yeah, I, I liked it because it, 
it um, it definitely portrays his depression and grief um, in a in a really unique way. Uh, but man, that book is. Uh, I read a lot of nonfiction. I read a lot of fiction too, but man, that's a, that's the most unique narrative style I think I've ever come across. Yeah, it's different. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Guys, you you're, you're all going to um, give us, uh, you're all going to chip in on uh, your number one. So your number one is Lincoln's leadership, but there's, uh, there's a number of different facets to that. And I think you're all going to take a turn at talking about what your favorites are. I, I think for me, it's his, um, his level of empathy that, he just, you know, he's intelligent and he, as Jeremy said, and said it so well, he's a politician too. But, you know, I think to be a good leader, you, you need to have empathy. And um, I'm my, my own prime minister, Justin Trudeau is, is displaying a lot of that right now. And he's actually my, like, for me, he's like our Canadian Abraham Lincoln right now, just the way he's getting us through this crisis. He has this, just this empathy, but he also is able to defer to the other experts and say like, I'm not a doctor, so I can't tell you if wearing a mask is going to be good. I'm going to leave that to the other people. Um, but just how he's got so much compassion, empathy, which, which Abraham Lincoln had a lot of like, you know, Abraham Lincoln went to visit soldiers in hospitals in Washington, D.C., as well as when he was at City Point with Grant. Um, he would shake their hands. He would ask their names. He would, you know, sometimes be reduced to tears at seeing their, their inju injuries. And just to have that, like, you know, that's, that's a quality that I think is one of my favorite things about him. Yeah, and I think that, that empathy, just to kind of talk on Mary's, you know, that point a little bit, too, um, when we often talk about the with malice toward none with charity for all is one of his most famous quotes, but it's important to note he was specifically talking about the South, the people, the, rebe the, the rebels, the people who had just, you know, created this war that cost hundreds of thousands, millions of lives. And, um, you know, literally were plotting to try to take over Washington DC and, you know, all this other stuff. And like, he's literally saying like, with mal like don't have malice toward them or any of our enemies. Um, and I think that when you look at abolition too, you know, one of his more famous lines regarding that is, you know, um, as I would not be a slave, then I can't also, I can't be an enslaver because, you know, if I, if I could never be that, you know, just that empathetic way of looking at abolition seems simple, but was, was pretty unique at the time. Nick. Yeah. Yeah. I think the biggest thing is, uh, he was not Miller Fillmore. <laughs> I have an ongoing feud with President Fillmore, who died many years ago, 13th president, uh, who Queen Victoria did say he he was the most handsomest man she's ever seen. But anyways... Um, Blimey, she doesn't give compliments out easily. Why'd you have a beef with him? Uh, I, I got into an online Twitter feud with him. Oh, they're the best. Yeah. <laughs> it's, become a, it's become a running joke on the show we actually have like if there's a show where there's not a Fillmore reference it's very rare in fact I think every one of our episodes has a reference to Millard Fillmore oh but we don't want to talk about that douchebag let's talk oh. about Lincoln yeah that's right <laughs> no I, I think everything that uh, Mary and Jeremy said I mean definitely hold true I think he just had everything you want in a leader as far as being able to communicate to listen to others, to be able to listen to the dissenting voice in the room, um, to the ability to care, um, and just and to be able to just guide a country through a tough time. And I, it's the playbook of how to do it, really. 
I mean, there's a reason why Lincoln has more books written about him than everybody outside of Jesus. Um, it's because of his, you know, his brilliance in leadership is really what it boils down to. Um, he's probably definitely one of America's greatest heroes and probably to the world as well. And that's why all across the planet, the universe, the galaxy, he is known. That's um, why you've gone international and joined us. Yes. Uh, yes. Very <laughs> true. People over this side of the pond need to know more about Abraham Lincoln. I've definitely Amen. learned something. Um, you've been amazing. Thanks, guys. I feel like I've really got like the semblance of some kind of beginning of understanding about him now that doesn't involve vampire hunting or Daniel Day-Lewis. <laughs> so you hey, for having us on. <laughs> You're yeah, very welcome. I knew, nothing, I knew nothing about Lincoln at all. Well, obviously, I listened to you guys, so thank you. Yeah. Thanks for enjoying it. It was great. Yeah, it's awesome. No, thank you so much. Join us later when we will also be hearing from... John Jordan, who will be back to talk to us about the Texas Navy. Tomorrow, we will be learning all about the early history of the CIA with Tim Weiner. We will also be hearing from Peter Lyon about 1GI and his journey in World War II to Europe. And we will be talking to Lizzie Evans, who researches women's rights and is going to be talking to us about early women serving in the NYPD and how they were employed to crack down on illegal abortions. Until then, don't forget that you can subscribe to History Hack for as little as a dollar a month via our patron system on our website at www.historyhack.podbean.com. It will help us to keep going in the aftermath of the coronavirus crisis, which we would dearly love to do, and it is much appreciated. There now follows a public service announcement. I'm Horatia Hornblower. And I'm Archie Kennedy. The simplest gift you can give in these troubled times is to obey orders. Indeed. The regulations are very clear in the matter. It is the duty of all of us to remain at anchor until the little people in the talking box signal you otherwise. You don't want to end up getting flogged. Good day to you. Good day to you both. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app. You can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.